Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I want to tell you about our sponsor today, Beducated. Beducated is an online site that has classes and courses focused on love, sex, intimacy, all kinds of stuff. And there's a class called Sensual Vulva Massage. Yeah, I had read some books on it, but, you know, I didn't get the real download until I watched the full class. You can get a trial for all Beducated courses right now. And I also have a special discount for you if you want to access that class and all their other classes. You can use my link in the show notes and the discount code goddess, and you'll receive a permanent discount off their yearly pass, not just for the year, but the discount lasts forever. So enjoy, have lots of fun exploring on their site. And now let's move on to the episode. Hi, everybody. Well, I was all set up. Super excited to record today with Evian Whitney, incredible um, author, sex educator, sensualist, and there's a windstorm here, and it's a severe windstorm here in Colorado, and the internet went out. So, ah, sometimes you have to surrender to the wind, wind gods and goddesses and beings, and um, instead, I'm going to take this time that I had set aside to record the podcast that answers all of the ask me anything about conscious and unconscious sex that you all sent me on Instagram. So um, I'm really excited to have Evian on later. So um, stay tuned for that. There's some really fabulous people coming up on the podcast who I'm just excited to celebrate and connect and, and um, like genuinely am intrigued by and inspired by. So um, the last podcast that I did last week, I was laughing so loud. So, you you know, just I hope you appreciate my wild witch cackle and it doesn't drive you mad, but it was really fun. That was with uh, Sarah Durham Wilson, uh, Sarah of Magdalene. And um, oh, it was just we laughed and laughed. I feel like we, we probably could just have a good old time on a Friday night together. <laughs> All right. So that's a little recap. Um, this week's podcast that that as I'm recording this now is with Kimberly Ann Johnson. Also such, such a good podcast. She is such an incredible woman. And I don't think that I said on the podcast, but it was her that noticed that I had or have rather this like little kind of um, it almost looks like a cut above my tailbone. Um and that is where there's like this, I don't mean to sound gross, but there's been like this kind of cyst there since I was a kid. And she saw it on me when she was doing a session with me. And she said, you have the likely the MTHFR genetic mutation. And so it was through her that I learned that I have one of the two genetic mutations, um, and that was like a profound discovery that no doctor had been able to tell me and she was able to see. So the podcast with her, though we didn't talk about MTHFR, which on the podcast, we talk about so many other things. Um, there's just some great people right now. So listen, share, send them around if you're inspired. Um, I do. They are like primarily women. Um, and I am hoping to also get some 
non-women on the podcast, but it seems like the lineup right now has been a lot of women, women I love. All right. So let's get into some of your juicy questions that you sent me. I so appreciate you connecting in with me. Um, And let's first talk about like what I personally would define as conscious sex and unconscious sex. So I think there's a lot of different ideas out there about like spiritual sex. And I just want to like, I just want to create some structure for us first. So spiritual, the word spirit is spirit, right? So in in the Latin derivative, respirare, inspirare, um, and that's not like, I'm just, that's not exact. That's, I think respirare is in Italian, Um, but it's kind of to inspire is to inspirit, to, to fill with spirit. So to respirare, which is to breathe, would be to fill with breath, which is spirit. So Think about spiritual sex, you're essentially filling with spirit. You're, you're, you're having sex that's connected to spirit. How you define spirit is your own. Is it breath? Is it an unknown energy outside of you or inside of you or both? Uh, that, you know, is it creator, creatrix? Is it God, goddess, divine? You get to define what spirit means to you. And I think that sometimes we think about like, oh, what is spiritual? It kind of goes in this box and it's like, um, it's kind of like a stereotype box. And I like to get more specific and I like to say like, okay, well, what does spiritual mean to you? Um, So if you were perhaps like in a gospel church, you would maybe sing a spiritual, right? And so you would sing a song that invokes that presence through song. You could invoke that presence through dance. And if you're having sex, you could invoke it through sex. So what does that mean? You pray before? Does that mean you create a ritual or some sort of a spell? Does that mean that you, um, you know, approach the whole experience as a prayer? I don't know. All of the above would be totally fine. Um, so, but, but really using the word spiritual has a connotation of, of, of spirit, right? Like Holy Spirit, like inspira, like this, the breath of life, that numinous quality. Conscious, on the other hand, to me means something different. And again, this is all subjective. This is take what you want, leave the rest. You know, this is just my personal um, understanding and the meaning that I've created around words, which we all have different relationships to words. And so um, conscious to me is, is being awake to something. So there were times in my life where I had unconscious sex, where I wasn't awake and fully present to the experience. Maybe that's because I was scared. Maybe that's because I was felt ashamed. Um, there are many, many reasons why. Maybe it's a tr- it was a trauma response. There are many reasons why we may stay um, unconscious. And so I want to also clarify that this, I'm not talking about the collective unconscious. That's like a concept, a Jungian concept. Like it's kind of, a, I'm going to leave that over on the shelf for a minute. <laughs> and let's just talk about um, un, like unconscious sex, using the word unconscious as an adjective and not collective unconscious as a noun. Okay. I feel like I'm sounding a little heady and academic here, but we'll get into the juicy questions in a moment. So 
if you think about um, unconscious, so like say say maybe you uh, the sex is unconscious, you because of the fear you decide to um, drink or to dissociate or to do something where you're less present or awake to the experience of the sex, right? Um, so there are many different reasons, like I just said. Conscious would be your awake to the experience. So even if there's fear, guilt, shame, embarrassment, um, bliss, whatever it is that you're staying fully present and conscious in your body, aware of the of what's happening. It doesn't mean it's good or bad. <laughs> you can be having a conscious sexual experience. That's like really not like what you want, but you're conscious of it. You're conscious, like, oh, I'm conscious that like, this is sad, right? I'm conscious that like, this is hard for me. Um, so I think some of us like say our grandparents weren't able to not, not everybody. So I don't know your grandparents, but let's say an, in generalization that in different times and different cultures, um, th- there wasn't always the space, right? Having sex, maybe you didn't have the space to really go, wow, I'm feeling guilt or shame and bring it into the room and, and make it conscious, make that conscious. So it kind of, it, it became further mired in the shadow, pushed down, right? And so many of us who do work around healing and awakening were, were say, pulling some of those feelings or traits, qualities, experiences out of the shadow and into the light. So that's just to give a little background before I answer the questions. Okay. Um, there's a lot more on all of that. And if you're, if, if any of that didn't feel clear, I hope it will by the time I answer the questions. So just stick with me. Okay. All right. So I got one question here, how to have conscious sex as a single woman, not looking to be in a partnership. This is a great question. Um, you can have conscious sex with yourself. And that could actually mean a variety of things. It doesn't mean penetration. So I think most of us, um, maybe maybe not, maybe not the generation that that is growing up now, but a lot of us probably considered sex, either oral sex or, or some sort of intercourse. But as you become more conscious, let's say, you may see that an, an experience that sex is, is so much more, can be so much more. So as a single woman, not looking to be in a partnership, you can have conscious sex with yourself. That may be um, entering into an ecstatic experience with your body that may be kind of calling forth that energy of spirit of God, goddess divine. It could be nature. I don't know if you guys heard my Annie Sprinkle podcast and with Beth Stevens, and they talked about so much around um, being an ecosexual and really merging with nature, which is, I just love. So go back and listen to that one. Um, and also you can engage in self-pleasuring and so to make that self-pleasuring practice conscious, breathe. Breath is like, again, that's, it's like in spirit, right? Inspirare, respirare. It's in, it putting the spirit in. So if you breathe when you're self-pleasuring and you breathe deep and you add a little sound on your exhale, like ha, huh, then you may begin to access other layers of emotion or subtle energy. Um, 
that start to come through. It could come through as internal, of like a, an intuition, a sense, a sensation um, that comes through that sort of connecting with the breath. So if you want to make the sex more conscious that you're having with yourself, which you could be doing that with a, a crystal wand, with your hand, with, you know, a, an imaginal kind of fantasy, then breathe and feel, breathe and feel what's there. So stay conscious, stay present to what's happening in the moment, your body. And that's how you keep it conscious. And if you feel something uncomfortable, then stay with it and actually feel it. That's that's one of the main things I would recommend by staying conscious. And so like when I was younger and I was trying to like be sexy and cool, if I was having sex, I wouldn't necessarily want to go, oh my God, I'm feeling embarrassed. Or I wouldn't want to just breathe and feel it without even saying it. You don't always have to say it. I would pretend it's not there. And that's unconscious in my book. That's like, you know, you can hear the wind outside. I'm in this windstorm. Um, but you can, you can, you know, if you're pushing or smushing something down or denying something, right? Like whether it's your feeling or something, then you are making something unconscious, unconscious. Okay. Next question. Is it possible to have spiritual sex with one person, just one person tapping in? This is a great question. So, okay. Say you are a person that practices embodiment, meditation, prayer, ritual, spells. I don't care what your spiritual practice is. You practice something that you consider your spiritual practice. And so say then you start dating someone who doesn't have a practice, who, you know, hasn't ever kind of considered going to therapy or um, participating in any sort of self-introspection work or any healing work or any spiritual awakening work. So then if you're the one who has, can the sex still be conscious? I think so. Um, if you're staying present and conscious in your body and your heart is open, you usually can create an invitation for the other person. That's not to say that they're um, not going to check out and sort of, you know, kind of zone out or dissociate or um, just kind of go into like jackrabbit mode. Is that what it, Jack, Jack Hammer? I don't even know. That sounds terrible. I hope no one ever goes into that mode again. <laughs> um, but that, so, so they may or may not, I think, um, be invited into your heart, your slowing down, your breathing, your, you know, speaking up, speaking truth. They may or may not opt in. But oftentimes, if you're present and embodied, your heart is open. And by heart being open, I mean, you're connected to your feelings, you're connected to love, not to fear. Then there's a chance then you could be the invitation to them and that they could join you in that. You may um, blow their mind a little bit. So you have to be a little bit, I think, just um, discerning in that regard, like, that they may feel an attachment afterwards because they don't know that what they experienced is because you're bringing um, grounded, safe, open, open-hearted, connected presence. And they may attribute that to you. And I know you're wonderful, but that it's not really about you. It's about the quality of the presence and the 
and the energy that you were bringing. So that's something to just consider. Or they may run the opposite direction because it felt like maybe too intense or too loving and it may touch on some of their wounds. It's a great question. Okay, next one. How do we not get into another trap about conscious versus unconscious and create shame? That's a great question. Um, well, I think in, in every area of life, we, we use um, qualifications or labels to be able to understand ourselves, right? Sometimes they actually create more harm. Sometimes they create more separation. Um, and sometimes they help, right? So you get to decide what helps you and doesn't help you. For me, it felt really important to, um, it's funny, actually, none of these questions are about, about um, my sexual experiences. And I did want some people to ask because I wanted to share about some of the crazy shit I've done. But um, most of these people just asked general questions, which is cool too. Anyway, back to the question. So what's helped me is just to notice, to notice the difference between unconscious or conscious sex. and. And not necessarily to see either as bad or good. I think that's part of this podcast. Like neither one has to be bad or good. So talking about unconscious sex, you get to choose. You totally get to choose. Like you get to choose. Like if you want to say, you know, just like I want to just masturbate like in a particular way where I don't really think that I'm kind of just like whatever, whatever. If you want to get wasted, like it's, I'm, I don't judge that as bad. Unconscious sex that harms yourself or other people. Um, and most unconscious things do have repercussions. Um, so that's the, that's the piece and the noticing it's like, well, we notice so that we can, we can, we can shift our behavior so that we don't harm ourselves and others. So say when I was having unconscious sex and I've been on a spiritual path for a while, I mean, pretty de devotedly since I was 19, but even before that I was, I was with my first spiritual teacher when I was like in my preteens. But I went through a few phases where I had really unconscious sex because I had wounding in that area. And so I didn't really want to deal with what was there. And I also had a lot of wounding around my body, a lot of guilt, shame, fear, judgment. So when I started to go, whoa, why is that? Why do I have these tendencies? Or why am I like kind of expressing these tendencies at this particular moment sexually? Like, why do I want to get wasted and have sex with a stranger? Doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean that that action is inherently bad, but could I actually sit with why, you know, and really consider that. And then if I want to get wasted and have sex with a stranger, could I do it in a way that doesn't hurt myself? It doesn't perpetuate harm for myself or someone else. So for me, that's why it's important to look at it. Not, I mean, it's important as relative. It's important to me. You know, it was important to me. The other thing is once I started opening my heart and doing a lot of heart opening work and deeply embodied work, I could not cut off my emotions from sexual experience. My cervix, my heart, my pussy, my heart became really besties, which was great. That's what I wanted. But it meant that if I tried to have sex with like someone I didn't really like or wasn't really into or like. That, that it would hurt. I would feel so sad. And it, 
it really wasn't good for me. So that noticing, oh, actually I'm trying to have unconscious sex, but like my heart's conscious, like I'm feeling and I'm feeling in the room and I'm here sitting with this guy and he's like ignoring me and acting weird and looking at his phone after we had sex. And I'm realizing that like, I wasn't paying attention, you know, and now I feel rejected. And the whole thing has been a bit of an unconscious mess. Like my wound brought me in here. And then, you know, I try to stay present. So it's not about bad or good, you know, but for me, and I think I'm, I'm far enough from that phase of my life that I can look at it. I can look at those years where I had like sex with strangers and I can look at them and feel compassion. I've cried about them in ceremony. I've talked about them in therapy. So they're less tender for me now. And I can look at them with, with certain amount of perspective. And I've really studied why I'm like, wow, I was really just wanting love or escape, right? Like I had sex on drugs with strangers like that. I, I definitely could have harmed myself or someone else unconsciously during those times. So I had to sit with those moments in, in my own process and just go, God, why did I do that? What if I would have gone into someone's apartment that was, you know, like a really unsafe person and that hurt me? Um, like, you know, so, so for me identifying and actually sitting and going, oh yeah, that actually wasn't conscious. Like I wasn't fully conscious. There was, a, there was an unconscious part of me running the show. Was it wanting love, attention, affection, escape, whatever? But there was an unconscious part of me running the show. And that's, that felt a bit scary later. But then I, I was able to you know, process it and go, wow, okay, well, I'm glad I came out okay. And I don't judge her. She was also just being wild and having fun, you know? So there's like, there's the shadow side of it. Like she was definitely hungry for love and escape and being bad and like wild. And there's, there was a shadow side, you know? There was a deep, deep well of pain, deep, deep, deep well of pain. And something about, you know, having sex that was unconscious, like, you know, I don't mean unconscious, like literally knocked out, but I mean like zoned out, dissociated, not connected to my heart, not connected to my full embodied experience um, was a way that, you know, my wound was leading. My wound was leading. And then it led me to healing. So, yeah, great question. Okay. Thoughts on giving into your partner's needs, even if you don't feel like it as a spiritual person. Huh. Giving into your partner's needs already sounds like a little, like you're, you're giving in, you know, it's like, if your partner has needs that you're not, okay, let's also qualify needs versus want need versus desire is different. So, um, first I would consider that with your partner, like, is this a need or is this a desire and how can we both get desires met? And does there need to be structure around it? So like if your partner's desire is to say, you know, tie you up and, and blindfold you, I wouldn't say that's a need. I mean, I could be wrong, but, um, but if your partner's desire is to do that, then, um, a big gust of wind again outside. Um, 
then is there a way that you could identify like, uh, let's say, okay, once a month, I'm willing to do that with you to go there. Could you create some structure around your partner's desires? Structure around your partner's desires. And if you feel like those things are against your values, well, then I would say like, let's sit and talk about it. Like sit with your partner and you would be able to say, Hey, like if your partner's like, Oh, I really want to, you know, have a threesome and your heart is saying, you don't want that. You don't want to sleep with a stranger. Could you figure out another way to play in that? And, you know, could it be something else that still touches on your partner's desire, but that doesn't compromise your values? Say, if you don't want to have sex with someone you don't know because it hurts your heart and it feels like you have to kind of override your heart. So I think that sounds like, you know, not every part of a relationship needs to be kind of sat down and talked about. But if there is a need to create structure and clarity around something that I would sit down and talk about it and go, hey, like your sexual desires for A, B and C hurt my heart a little. They're a little hard for me, you know, like say it's knife play like that just it's scary. It hurts my heart, whatever. Um, is there something else that would potentially satisfy that desire, but that that works for me, too? So that's like not the sexy part of the conversation. You have that conversation, figure out a plan. And then later you have the sexy time, but don't abandon your heart. You know, like if you, something feels really off to you, then sit and talk about it with the person you love. And, and if your partner has like some great, delicious, kinky, juicy, wild desires, like consider potentially your own judgment and fear around them. And if there's a place where you could meet in the middle, and if they're asking you for things that are just out of integrity for you, then you're, you're totally allowed to say no. Okay. Next D. Is it possible to have uncoupled conscious sex? This is a great question. I absolutely think it is. And um, it all depends on kind of what you want. For me, there were times where I was like, okay, I can have uncoupled conscious sex, like sex with someone outside of relation, outside of being in a relationship that's conscious. But I was desperate to be in a relationship at the time. So even if that person and I were like breathing, present, looking at each other, not checked out, not zoned out, like our hearts were really running the show and not our wounds. But if inside of me, there was this like deep yearning to be in relationship and I was having to abandon that to have the, un un to have the uncoupled sex, then it's like, it made it unconscious because it made it so that I'm actually harming myself. If that makes sense. Um, however, if you are one of those people that's like, I'm not looking to be in a relationship right now but I want to have conscious sex. If the other person is on the same page, amazing. But if they actually want to be in a relationship with you, it may cause more harm for both of you as well, because then maybe there's um, 
you know, secret agendas in a sense. So both people have to be pretty self-aware. And I would say in order to be that self-aware, you have to have some sort of a practice. Maybe you're a meditator or something that that person and you are also pretty in tune with yourselves and you're pretty honest with yourself. You you know if you're lying to yourself or not. That takes a lot of practice. I'm not going to lie. Ha ha. (laughs) Pun intended. Um, But great question. And I would say, just keep checking in with your own heart, your own breath. You know, does this, is this still feeling good? Does this still feel right? You know, checking in with that person too. How to teach my new BF, the art of seduction, conscious play, and plenty of foreplay. Oh, how cute. Um, I don't know why you want to teach him the art of seduction though. Or them. No, BF. Okay. Him. Um, I think it's quite tricky if you try to teach your boyfriend how to seduce you, but you can share what your turn-ons are. Teaching is tough. I think, you, you know, using the word your in your question, you use the word teach. Teaching is tough, teaching our partners, but we can do it in, in, a, in a graceful way. Like you can share your turn-ons in a graceful way without pressure or demand, but, um, but just by, but your excitement alone creates an invitation. So like, if you're excited about something that can create an invitation. Um, and I would say read a book together, you know, I'm looking at this question and I'm like, read a book together. You know, you want to learn about foreplay together, conscious sex together, find a great book. I would also recommend that goop show, the goop lab show. That's the sex one. Um, that's a great It's on Netflix. Uh, Jaya on the show is incredible. She does the erotic blueprints. And I think that's a great thing for people to watch together with their partner. If you're considering um, expansion or exploration around sex. Okay. Next question. How do you get out of your head and remove pressure of not being enough? Oh, honey, I know it's a really hard one. Well, I would say first have a practice that you do when you're not having sex, where you connect with your body and connect with your heart. That way, when you're in a high pressure situation, which it can be having sex, you already have established a connection with your heart and your womb and your body. And I think this person who wrote is a, yeah, it's a female body. So I would really just have that deep connection in place with yourself so that when you do come into the moment of being with a partner, um, you have this pathway home to yourself. So when, when the fear and the not good enough stories start going in your mind, you can breathe and try to drop back down. I find that eye contact also really helps in those moments where I'm starting to like loop out in my thoughts, eye contact, um, like actual tangible hand touch, squeezing some compression, like deep hugging some sound, um, some words, but not having to go, Oh my God, I don't feel good. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough, but maybe like connecting to the room. Oh, like, mm, I love the smell of whatever, doing something that grounds you into the room, into your body, into the space. You can activate your senses um, by using, you know, some oils, music, all these things keep us out of our head, but it's an ongoing practice moment to moment. And that's why, you know, if you practice meditation or embodiment, you, you learn 
in those practices, how the mind is always just kind of pulling you outside the moment into the past or the future. So the practice of keeping your awareness in the moment in what's actually happening is the spiritual practice. So meditation, I would highly recommend a meditation practice and also a breath and embodied movement practice where again, your awareness stays focused within your own body. And patience, be patient with yourself. I totally space out sometimes when I'm having sex and has nothing to do with my partner. It's the fact that I'm, I'm a thinky person at times. I'm a Gemini rising, Aquarius moon. And um, I have a lot of kind of Vata energy for anyone who knows Ayurveda. And um, I'm living in a very kind of like mountainous, airy place. So thoughts and head are really with me, which is also ideas and visions, beautiful realm but I need to root down. So I need a lot of fire and roots and earth to stay present in my body. I need like a slap on the ass, like a good squeeze. Like I need all of that to like really stay present. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have to learn how to give that to myself. I can't expect someone else to do it. So I'm like, okay, make a sound, Alexandra. Ah, make a big, take a big breath, you know, look at your partner in the eyes. If you're starting to space out, connect with them use them as a point of connection yeah ongoing okay here's one that's good is it unconscious sex if it's just sex and not even a friendship nothing more no it's not but it is it, it, like like i said earlier if you are having to tune out your feelings, if you're having to cut off connection from your heart, if you're having to, to, to take alcohol or drugs to um, be able to show up to the sexual experience, then it could create harm and it could be coming from like, it could, it could be an unconscious experience. Um, but if you're able to stay in your body and to stay present, um, to breathe, to stay connected to them, to look at them during the experience, all of that, then no, like it doesn't, it can be with someone that's, that's you spend a day with or whatever. Yeah. Okay. How can we elevate our sex to the point where we exploding for all sentient beings? Ooh, cute. Well, I don't know, say a prayer while you're in the middle of it and say, I'm devoting my sex to all sentient beings, everyone out there who's having a sad day, everyone out there who's feeling gray, who's feeling glum, who's feeling, you know, bummed. I'm having sex for you right now. I'm sending my orgasm to you right now. Like, great. Do that. Do that with your partner. I would love, I'd love to hear how that goes. Maybe together you guys are like, Oh, I'm having sex right now for everyone who's alone, who's been at home during COVID and hasn't been having, hasn't been fucked and hasn't felt loved. And like, we're doing it for them. We're sending it to them. Oh my God, that sounds great. I have to suggest that to my partner. Uh, okay, next question. Great sex, but my partner's content with way less often. Hate when it feels like a favorite. Mm. So how about you then, if you have more desire, more appetite than your partner, why don't you create that with yourself, you know, um, pleasure yourself, get yourself off, have yourself a sex date night where you watch an erotic film or one of these great erotica websites, like the um, company Belesa Plus that I teamed up with, which actually has regular like female made porn. Um, 
but also has erotic stories. So maybe you engage with something like that and you have a sexy night on your own. I think putting it, putting our pleasure outside of ourselves onto another person's up and down, like, you know, energy, mood swings, life is tough, you know? So find a way to still satiate, satisfy yourself. Um, yeah. All right. Next. Okay. This person says, read your book, hard for me to go through all sexual encounters and allow myself to regret without that causing shame brings up a religious trauma. Totally feel you. So in my book, there's a sexual inventory where you, you know, which is intense. And in the book, it, it really talks about like making sure you have support in place that if you're going into traumatic places or you've had a history of sexual trauma to take care of yourself in certain ways. So I just want to be aware of that as I'm speaking out of context. Um, my book talks a lot about the self-care and the safety um, in, in doing your own self-healing work. So if you're doing that sexual inventory in my book and writing everything down and you start to feel like it's bringing up shame and religious trauma, then that can be part of the healing process. Um, I feel that that's, you know, very difficult. Um, and there's not quite really like a full question here. So I am going to just say that if shame arises, um, to, to be able to bring it into practice, whether it's writing, dancing, crying, moving, feeling, um, and to not just let it sit in your body or in your mind, just circulating, but like, let it move fully through you. And there's more practices for that in my book as well. And I just feel your heart in that and, um, totally, uh, yeah. Wishing you, uh, a beautiful journey with that as well. Okay. Ways to heal from sexual trauma that stems from those quote unquote unconscious times, hashtag college. Well, do some self-forgiveness practice, number one. So if you've had sex where you, you think about it and you kind of cringe, I totally have had those experiences. Self-forgiveness, like just self-forgiveness. You can write yourself a letter of forgiveness. You can do some forgiveness mantra. You can cry and hold yourself in the bathtub, play a song and say, I, you know, I forgive you. Um, it takes, it takes time, but actually looking at those moments, <sighs> compassion, 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 compassion for your sweet self. You were doing the best you could at that moment. I totally feel you. Self-forgiveness and self-compassion practice. Yeah. And it's a lot. It takes time. You know, I still have things that I wish I hadn't done and that I cringe about and that it make me feel sad and that I wouldn't want to say out loud. But I just, I'm like, I'm, when they cross through my mind, I'm just like, I'm so sorry you know, and, and I forgive myself. And if, if it's like also someone else that I've potentially hurt, I send a prayer to them. Please forgive me, you know, and I have compassion for myself and was doing the best I can at the time. It was coming from my own wound of 
wanting to be loved or wanting to be seen or whatever it was. So finding that thread of compassion. Next question. What does it do to you over time to allow your partner to pleasure themselves when you are into it? Hmm. Pleasure, pleasure when you're present, using your body. I'm curious. Um, that's a tough one because if they're just like masturbating in front of you, like are you able to be with that? Are they pleasuring themselves on you when you're not into it or with your own body? That does not seem okay. That seems pretty non-consensual. So I guess that that's the word of this question, consent. You know, do do they have your consent to pleasure themselves like with you or in front of you um, or is it non-consensual? And so if you have given your consent, are you, is it a real yes for you? And I would really consider that. And if you guys don't know Betty Martin's wheel of consent, it's incredible. Go look it up on YouTube. It's so, so, so good. Watch, watch her video about the wheel of consent. And I'm sure many of you have, it's really incredible. So I would say to you, go watch that. Maybe watch it with your partner. Yeah. Okay. I decided to be celibate for a while. Any experience or tips for that journey? Hmm. Well, I would take that, that sexual energy and use it as creativity. And so I would use that energy and make sure it's not just sitting in you and that you're creating and you're dancing, that you're singing, you're writing, you're doing something, you're pouring your energy into some sort of a project in your community, family. Um, and also that you're engaged in some sort of a practice, like whether it's meditation or yoga, qigong or something where you're circulating energy. Okay, here's a good one. Is conscious sex just purity culture, sex shaming in disguise? Great question. Um, I don't think so, because I'm not saying conscious sex as bad or good sex. I'm saying sex where I don't abandon myself. I don't abandon my heart. I don't abandon my feelings. I don't abandon my values. I include my pain. I include all of me. I include my, my yucky, my gritty, my sweet little girl, my empowered woman. I include all of me. And if something comes up in the moment, whether it's, I don't like something that I don't, I don't abandon myself. I stay present in the moment. So no, to me, that is absolutely not purity culture. That is me being conscious to what's happening in my body in real time feeling what's happening in my body in real time is me being conscious, aware, present in my body in a moment that may or may not look any certain way. That may look like me crying, screaming, giggling wildly. That may look like me stepping away from the sexual moment. It has nothing to do with purity. So unconscious would be that I shut down to my own self, to my own needs, that I pretend that I actually am not sad that I pretend that like I not feeling something in my heart and that I'm just like, I'm the kind of wild gal who just wants to have fun and I don't need love. Like that personally for me would be going unconscious. So that has nothing to do with purity culture. It has to do with feeling the full embodied experience of you, all of your emotions and sensations, everything that's happening in your nervous system and not cutting off from any of it for anyone. That takes courage. And it doesn't always look like some, you know, beautiful, I don't know, Tantra scene from some, I don't know, that you saw in some, I don't know, somewhere. 
<laughs> probably looks like crying and you know quivery voice that speaks up and it looks like saying no because it's close but it's not quite the moment that's what i mean by conscious sex like oh am i conscious to the fact that i'm actually not ready to have sex with this person am i conscious to the fact that i actually am feeling sad scared etc or do i have to uh, check out or shut down or numb in order to be in the sexual experience that is going unconscious Tips for awakening and expressing your inner seductress. I want that, but also lots of resistance. Okay. Awakening your inner seductress. Well, first, I would find some characters in movies that you love that you consider to be like this glorious seductress. And um, I would create also like a Pinterest board of pictures of characters and outfits. And I would make a playlist on Spotify with all your favorite seductress tunes. And I would dance to it in the mirror while looking at myself or you looking at yourself. And I would play. I would say the answer to that is play by playing inviting your inner seductress online by playing, by studying, by crafting, scheming, and dreaming. Okay. Okay. So somebody said, okay, I was deciding that I was wanting to explore more casual sex, but then I met my partner. Okay. That's tough. So you wanted to have your wild and free phase and then you fell in love. Well, you can still explore yourself erotically um, by exploring film, art, books, stories, exploring with your partner new things that actually excite you that you maybe would have wanted to do with a stranger. So maybe it's not so much about needing to introduce different people, like you would have had sex with different people, but you could try different elements, exploring different elements of your own eroticism. Um, again, I recommend Jaya's erotic blueprints. So maybe you guys can explore those different pieces together. Maybe you go to a class where you learn some Shibari Japanese rope bondage or um, some, some sort of um, something new that you haven't explored. And then maybe perhaps you'll satisfy a little bit of that wanting something new. Okay. I think this is the last one. What happens energetically and spiritually when having an orgasm? This is a great question. And I think there are a lot of books and I'm, I'm definitely because this is something that you would have to ask different traditions, different spiritual traditions would have different responses to this because it's an, it's a, a question that has an ambiguous answer, right? It's not like a black or white thing, but I think from a more yogic perspective, your channels, your energy centers would open when you're um, having an orgasm. Though there definitely are some spiritual traditions that say that, that there are different types of orgasm, generative and, and degenerative and regenerative. I, again, I'm not saying I believe in either, et cetera. I have just been a student and I've learned a lot. So a degenerative orgasm would be where you're kind of like losing a lot of your energy, your vitality, your life force, your chi, your prana, depending on what tradition chi would be in a Chinese, prana would be an Indian or Hindu yogic. Um, so there are some teachers that would say like, 
a degenerative orgasm. It's just, you don't really know how to recirculate the energy. So it sort of just spills out of you. And it's kind of like a nervous, like a building and a squeezing and a tensing until it, it, it kind of explodes where a regenerative orgasm, you would have the um, skill to recirculate the energy in your body. Now I've been studying this stuff for like 20 years and I still, part of it is very enigmatic to me and mysterious. I'm definitely like, you know, there are moments where I feel like I'm able to harness some of the energetics in a certain way. And then there's moments that don't like, I feel like, oh, I'm just spilling energy and I don't really quite know how to harness it. Um, you can explore the work of Montak Chia, who is a traditional Taoist um, writer and teacher, if I'm not mistaken, who there's um, there are different ways that you can circulate your breath while you're in a sexual moment to create that regeneration of energy, the regenerative orgasm. Um, so there are different traditions and different uh, breath techniques and sort of holds in the body that would create an orgasm that doesn't essentially lose life force. So, you know, it depends if you're a part of a tradition or you're a student of a particular tradition, because they all have something different to say about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, you have to kind of go with your gut in terms of what feels right for you. Um, definitely, there's a lot of traditions that say men lose a lot of life force energy when ejaculating. So you've probably heard of that semen retention. Um and so, but there are similar uh, ideas out there about women's orgasm, that it affects us hormonally. And that if we're not having certain types of orgasm that are deeper, then we're sort of spilling energy. Um, if that's something that you're really interested in, what I would do is just go read and, and study and really look at who the authors are and the teachers and where they're coming from, right? Are they coming from an ancient Taoist practice? Are they coming from an ancient Ayurvedic practice? Are they coming from an ancient yogic practice? Like who have they studied with? Like who are, who are you listening to essentially? Don't just go on Instagram and just get knowledge from whomever because there's just so many perspectives out there. So um, I think that, you know, for me, spiritually in my heart during an orgasm, there's like a beautiful opening and, um, and a connecting. And that's, if it's, if it's really regenerative. And for me, sometimes if they're, if it's kind of like just trying to rub one out, it feels degenerative, but it feels really fucking good. <laughs> it feels degenerative. Like afterwards, I don't feel that lasting expansion. I may feel like a, a lasting, like sort of like mm, yummy, kind of like stoned, relaxed feeling, but it's different than the an orgasm that like leaves you feeling more alive and vital and strong. All orgasms are very different. And I would say that the best thing to do is explore with yourself and you can always explore with a trusted person, but I really think exploring with yourself is very important. So those are all the questions. And there's a few that, that actually were hard to understand and I need clarification. So if I didn't answer your question here, DM me and um, I will, we can bounce back and forth to create a question that, that I can just, that makes sense. Um, Cause I know you had to write it like in a little box on Instagram. So some of you kind of condensed words and um, oh, I just thought somebody was going to ask like, what's the most crazy unconscious sex that you've had, Alexandra, or like, you know, <laughs> nobody did. You guys are so sweet. 
repeat. And maybe that's that's me. I haven't sounded like I was open to answering those types of questions, but I am. And the more I get to know you all as my podcast community, the more um, I do want to I want to share my personal experiences with you. And so um, I used to write a column for the numinous called Holy Fuck, which is why this, this, which was like a while back, maybe like six years ago, which is why this podcast is called Holy Fuck. And so if you're curious there, you can look up on the numinous Alexandra Roxo, and some of my articles will pop up from back then where I was writing about like, should I have casual sex? Should I go to the sex party? And you know, I've matured a little bit now, just a little bit. Um, and so I would say more of a woman at 38. I don't know if I'm a late bloomer, an early bloomer, still blooming, all of the above. But um, I definitely have changed a lot since those articles. And I, I was definitely exploring a lot back then, sometimes completely unconscious, totally wasted, and sometimes... Um, really present. Like when I was doing orgasm, orgasmic meditation and just like, um, strangers were rubbing my clitoris and, um, I was stone cold sober. And I do want to do a podcast about orgasmic meditation and tell some of my stories. And so that is coming. I have one person that submitted to me that they would like to share their experience. So if you also have an orgasmic meditation experience, let me know. And I'd love to have you on it. We're going to like do like a, a podcast with a few different voices for that, which will be cool. And um, yeah. And if anything in today's podcast, like sparked something for you or something else you'd like to hear me chat about, let me know, send me questions. And I loved answering your questions. It was super, super fun. <sighs> I'm wishing you all wonderful, fulfilling sexual experiences or not it's totally okay to not feel super sexy or sexual or um, to feel like that person who asked about like, Hey, I don't really want to have sex right now to, to feel like you want to pour that energy into a creative project or a nonprofit or community project or service. Like that is incredible. And it's another beautiful way to use life force. We're talking about life force here, life force, energy, vitality, aliveness, inspiration, that word, respirar inspirare, inspire, in spirit. So I love that. I love it. I love the blood and guts and the root and the soul of it too. So thank you all for being here with me today. It's been a pleasure to answer these questions. Sending you so much love. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.